Well, it's December, and you know what that means. It's time for Death by Video's Best of the Year, where we pick our favorite films from the year, this year being 2023. And we're recording this live from downtown Toronto at the world-famous Maple Leaf Gardens. Ho, ho, ho. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 Listen it's, to that applause. Woo. <laughs> All right. Introducing first. <laughs> introducing first, the man who plants a flag that says chillin' the most and rocks his boat up and down the coast. It's Phil. Hello. Yeah. And next, the man that sings the sweet, sweet sounds from way downtown. It's Kit. Hello, 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 hello. And now, and yours truly, it's the host with the most. It is the man that has recently been named from La La Land, who you call Mr. Hollywood. It's me, Graham. And Mr. It's... Hollywood! Ah! And it's Death by Video! Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears You won't watch a movie for about 8 billion years It's time for death by video Time for death by video And now the show will begin I, I can't believe the acoustics we're getting in this uh, Maple Leaf Garden. I it's, know. It's pretty intimate. It's, it's amazing, odd. considering that Maple Leaf Gardens closed in 1997. <laughs> okay, so we're here to record our our top, our favorite films of the year. Maybe not a top ten. We'll see. So we're going to do this in three rounds. The first round is going to be our runner-ups. So, oh, Phil, man. what are your runner-ups for 2023? Um, my first runner-up is uh, You Hurt My Feelings, the Nicole Hall of Center movie with... I love that movie, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a runner-up for me as well. Yeah, um, it almost made my top ten, but, you know, I was, like, rattling stuff off, and it was... I got, like, a dozen, and mm -hmm. there were some other worldly ones that got weeded up, but uh, this is my first runner-up with uh, Nicole Hall of Center's new muse, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, and Nicole, I made me uh, do a um, Nicole Hall of Center binge after watching, and uh, she's the queen of uh, low stakes comedy, in a good way. Yeah, nice. I really liked um, "You Hurt My Feelings" as well. Yeah. We saw that together in the wonderful uh, Cinema so, Seven of uh, Varsity Cinema here in Toronto. It's it's a very cozy theater. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, any, what else are your runner-ups, Phil? Uh, my other runner-up is I like movies. Oh, interesting. I put that, that on my top 10 of, of 2022 because I saw it in 2022. Yeah, but it got a uh, big theatrical release and it's blowing up the streaming services. Oh, yeah. And Air Canada. It's playing, uh, yes. playing in Air Canada. Yeah, Chandler Levesque is uh, documenting uh, mm -hmm. everybody uh, who's uh, watching it. Yeah, I think she's finally going to attempt to make the film that she was wanting to make for years, Anglophone. Yeah, I believe she got the funding, just got the funding for that. Interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Uh, any more runner runners up? Everything else is top ten, but I can also throw in Asteroid City as a runner up. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Some of our audience not a fan of that film. Really? Yeah. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Kit. What are your runners up for twenty twenty three? Well, I should I should say that uh, once again, uh, listeners. Uh, I barely watched enough movies to fill out a top 10 list from 2023. Mm -hmm. But uh, looking, looking back, uh, there is a, there's a few films that, uh, that do qualify. 
Um, let's let's see here real quick. Uh, actually, both of these are technically 2022 releases, so... But I saw them in 2023. I will go with um, the, the robot film Megan. Nice. That's a 2023 movie. That actually came out, like, I think the first couple weeks. Of yeah, the, uh, that was January. Letterboxd listed it as uh, 2022, but I guess you're probably right. Maybe it got a Weird. limited release. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? And another film which, uh, which uh, I saw with Graham in theaters, um, but I think is technically a 2022 film, probably did the festival circuit before getting some sort of wide releases, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That actually made my top 10 for this year. Uh, yeah, it b- barely, barely didn't make the list for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd kind of forget, because it's way down here on my, uh, just going off Letterboxd. It qualifies as a, like a summer 2022 release, but it must have just been in like a, a festivals or and whatnot. Oh, I remember it premiered at TIFF in uh, 2022. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably what they're going off of, but uh, it didn't really get any theatrical release until 2023. So that's definitely on there, and I, I quite enjoyed that movie. Uh, and then the rest is just like, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, they don't all need to the, be runner-ups. The, the, the Pope's Exorcist was fun oh, in a trashy wow, kind wow, of a wow, way. Wow, it's, wow. it's a trashy movie, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was also a Megan enjoyer. I like Megan, too. I saw it. It mm-hmm. didn't really do it as much for me because I was expecting it to be a bit more crazy than it was. But I loved... not Spoiler alerts for a movie that came out almost 12 months ago. Um, that scene where the old robot fights Megan was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was basically what I wanted the Chucky reboot to be the Oh yeah, I could see it. It's it's yeah, I I like the Chucky reboot, but I I like Megan more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh now my runner's up. Okay, so um runner up is a documentary which I don't think is out yet. It's a documentary called Flipside about a documentarian who goes back to try and save the record store that he worked at in his youth. Um super fun documentary that I saw at TIFF. Uh yeah, no, Flipside. Yep. Uh one of our Audience members, actually, two of our audience members were with us when I saw Flipside and really, really dug that movie. Did you, you guys dug it too, right? Yes. Yeah, Flipside. Yeah. Um, and next up is the um, the uh, the the kind of Hong Kong feeling, but probably uh, mainland China. Actually, uh, Hundred Yards. It's a kung fu movie. Uh, it's awesome. It's literally about how this uh, this one shot, like kung fu school, has to protect uh, one hundred yards in every direction from from its center. And uh, it's just about how, like, they police it and make sure that nothing bad happens. Um, real good kung fu, real good story. And uh, the interesting thing about it was they shot it, uh, the kung fu, the way they, they haven't done in 50 years, which is, like, no stuntmen, no wires, no over- or under-crank camera to make it seem like they're fighting faster than they actually are. Um, so everything had to be full speed, uh, almost full contact. The, um, the One of the stars said, like, the hardest part of the movie was the fact of getting hurt and also hurting other people because... You can't slow down your like in normal kung fu movies they they crank over they undercrank the camera to make them speed up so they can fight at half not half speed but like three quarter speed. Um, then next on my runner up list is Eli Roth's newest joint Thanksgiving, uh, which is the long awaited expansion on his trailer Thanksgiving from the Grindhouse movie. Uh, it's really good how it uh, is not uh, just recycled bits from the trailer. Like I really didn't like the first Machete movie or the second Machete movie. Um, because I felt they were trying to redo bits from the trailer. And Eli Roth even said in interviews that the difficult thing was anytime they tried to write a Thanksgiving movie, it's like, well, we have to just write filler to get to the bits from the trailer. So this, they broke away. They were like, let's forget trying to match that original trailer. Let's just do our own thing. And so there are moments from the trailer that are like sort of in the movie, but they're different and changed and like actually fit the movie. Uh, next is a film that I saw only yesterday. Um, and it might enter my top 10. I, I still don't know how exactly I feel about it. It is... Sean Price Williams' directorial debut, The Sweet East. 
Um, I won't talk too much about that because that is rolling out now. Uh, and then the next film is the uh, feature debut from... Yes? Well, what's the sweetest about, at least? Give us a little... Ooh, that's a hard one. It's been best described as scrolling through the... It's what it... Uh, the movie equivalent of scrolling through the internet. It's about a... Um, <laughs> sounds, a teenage, sounds great. A teenage girl who um, uh, kind of runs away. Uh, she's from South Carolina. She runs away on a class trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, she meets up with uh, some ultra-left... Uh, extremist freegans and then she's some uh, well-educated neo-nazis and then she becomes a movie actress for a while and then uh, a whole bunch of other weird stuff and she might even meet up with a um, an islamic terrorist cell or they might just be really into dance music wow yeah that old chestnut okay so yeah a lot of a lot of stuff going on here shot gloriously in 16 millimeter uh, starring a lot of people from the indie world uh, simon rex uh, who else is in it jacob alordi um, who will factor into one of my top ten movies of the year. Uh, sorry there, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Uh, apologies to our audience, um, we're, but we're back, we're recording. Um, so my next film in my runner-ups is uh, the debut by the YouTube filmmaking collective Raka Raka Talk to Me, which I really enjoyed, um, which I also won't spoil that movie did really well, and apparently there's already a sequel in the works. I'm very glad for them. Those guys are like the one, the YouTubers to break the YouTube curse and actually make a movie that's good. And then finally, in my runner-up, it, it's there's a movie in my top ten that I keep switching back and forth on. Uh, it's David Fincher's The Killer, uh, which I really, really dug. And depending on which way the wind is blowing, I might flip-flop it with uh, a movie in my top ten. Um, and that's what was in my runners-up. So, Phil, what are your bottom five for your top ten of the year? Bottom five. That's, that's how we're doing it. We're going to do, we're gonna do stu- run through our bottom fives, and then we're going to go in-depth on our top fives, and then we're going to be done. Uh, bottom five, uh, Blackberry. Ooh, in the bottom five. Interesting. Okay, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Your next bottom five? Return to Soul. <laughs> nice. I consider that a 2012 movie, or 2022 movie, because I, I saw that in 2022. But With, it's, came it's, out yeah, in I know, it came out in 2023. But I think, did someone else in our audience see, I see a hand going up in the background. Yes, you, ma'am. You, did you see Return to Soul? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> yes, you did. At TIFF, it's the one about the woman that goes back to Korea. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I forgot the title. Okay, yeah. cool. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Showing Up, the Kelly Reichardt movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one yet. I heard it's good. Yes. Uh, Michelle Williams and a cranky uh, orange cat. Ooh, I like cranky orange cats. Did yes. the cat dislike Mondays and love lasagna? No, uh, this cat liked... Uh, mauling pigeons Ooh, nice cool next on your bottom five are you there god it's me margaret i've been meaning to see that i heard it's quite good uh i heard who is it in that that gives a really good performance is rachel it? mcadams rachel mcadams who i think is such a slept on actress i think she's she really is, good yeah. and i miss seeing her in stuff but yeah great newcomer performance by the yeah whatever the actress's name who plays the titular margaret mm-hmm. but uh rachel mcadams does steal a lot of this movie cool and, and a good a little uh su- kathy bates gives a great supporting performance as the grandmother and uh mm. benny safty's uh, low-key good as the father i like how he's just taking over everything now benny yeah. safty's and everything yeah like josh safty doesn't even know what to do with himself uh, i know he's just out there being like hey what but, do but this is i think the only non-auteur movie that benny safty's been in because he's just working with all the auteurs now. yeah yeah i mean he was in uh oppenheimer oppenheimer um He's in The Curse. Licorice Pizza. Right. Mm-hmm. Forgot he was in Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Cool. 
And he was also in um, Stars at Noon, the Claire Denis movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then what's the final film in your bottom five? And these aren't are bottom as in bad. It's just like it the, bad. It's the bottom five of the top ten. Uh, sick of myself. Uh, the directorial. Oh, we saw that together. Yes. Mm-hmm. The directorial uh, debut of Christopher Borgley. I think it's considered a 2022 movie, but it got mm-hmm. a theatrical release in North America this year. Yep. It was put out by Vinegar Syndrome Pictures. Yep. Yep. Um, and Christopher Borgley very quickly followed up. Uh, with Dream Scenario. Dream Scenario with Nick Cage. Shot right here in Toronto. Oh, yes. I think also Montreal. an actress from Zygosity, the film that I directed many years ago. And that? so moving on to Kit. So what are, you, what are the, your, the numbers 10 to 6 in your top 10? Well, again, this is a very hastily constructed list. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. audience. I, I, I do try. I, I haven't seen enough films, and I, I really had to think about this one. And um, Anyway, okay, so number 10, we've already brought it up. Um, going with David Fincher's The Killer, mm-hmm. the Netflix movie. Okay. Just kind of a straightforward uh, little film. It tells you exactly what it is, and then you spend the whole movie being like, maybe it won't be, but it no, is. No, no, it is. It's that. It's, yeah. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was fun. Uh, another one uh, would be Mission Impossible 7. Yeah. Oh, that should be on my runners-up. I like that movie. Uh, that was, was awesome. It was fun. It was a good time. That movie the rocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the sequel, which I think got pushed back. or And is now longer called Dead Reckoning Part 2. Which is like the first one is called Dead Reckoning Part 1, and then I guess there's no Part 2. No, they they've, said they've it all. They changed it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, number eight, we'll go with Blackberry. Nice. Saw that in theaters with y'all as mm-hmm. well. I, I got to stop saying y'all. I don't know why I started saying that recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, Blackberry was good. Uh, a hometown, hometown boy, a hometown hero. Yep. Uh, Matt and Johnson. Matt Johnson. And, Diet uh, frequenter of the Carlton Cinema. And a future Genie Award winner, Glenn Howerton. Yeah. I'm sure. it's, it's a sad thing they don't do the Genies anymore. It's now the Canadian Screen Awards. They changed the name? Which is, no, well, it's now because it also encompasses television. Uh, they but like, still also, call it the genies. Like Lisa Laflamme won Best <laughs> Newscaster at the Canadian Screen Awards. I'm like, this is weird. That's strange. Yeah. Uh, number seven, we'll go with apparently what is a divisive uh, film. Ooh. Uh, Asteroid City. Ooh. Uh, okay. <laughs> Keep going. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I like uh, Wes Anderson leaning into this, this kind of uh, stagecraft aesthetic that he's been doing lately, which leads me to number six. Mm-hmm. The wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Oh, that's a short film. The that short he, film. Yeah. Although it's it's uh, he released four four or five short films on Netflix. This I heard is, that's the best one. It's also by far the longest. It's about forty five minutes long. Oh, okay. So it almost rounds out to like a more of a film feel, and yeah. you could you could see it. They'll probably put them all into a Criterion collection as mm-hmm. just uh, the Roald Dahl stories. Well, they're in Netflix, so I don't think they'll wind up in the Criterion collection. Uh, well, I mean, the Irishman ended up oh, in the Criterion right. collection, so yeah. it, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Marriage Story and Roma. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm wrong yeah, so, about that. And, uh, uh, I mean, all Wes Anderson films seem to end up in Criterion collection, mm-hmm. so I would be surprised if this one didn't, uh, this kind of collection. Uh, that was the best one. Uh, good performances, although I liked all of the uh, the short films that he did. And again, mm-hmm. he's very much leaning into the stagecraft. This is a stage. Yeah. Um, these are props. These are actors. Cool. Sorry, I lost count. How many more do you have in your... That was ten- it. That, oh, was, that, was, that, was, that uh, was 10 to 6. That was 10 to 6. Okay, here's my 10 to 6. Again, these aren't terrible. Like, none of my films are ranked, but uh, these are the, the five I'm choosing these to... These are mine. Yeah, these are the ones I'm choosing to speed run through. So, uh, we'll do Last Voyage of the Demeter. That was the, um, the vampire one. Well, it's based on a chapter. Incorrectly, a lot of people say it's the first chapter in Dracula. It's actually not the first chapter. But it is the, the chapter of um, directed by Andre 
Uverdal, um, very Scandinavian name. It is, yeah, it's the story of Dracula on the Demeter, which is one chapter in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which always gets kind of glossed over in movies, and it's the story of basically Dracula on the boat and how the crew gradually realize something very terrible is going on and they have to deal with it. Um, really, really dug it. Good. It, it basically feels like a modern-day hammer horror film. Uh, and then next is the film that I could have swapped out with the killer. That is Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Um, Still haven't seen it. I could put that in my runner-up, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and there's been so much said about Barbie, we don't need to discuss it here. Uh, and then we well, have... What's it about? It's about Barbie. <laughs> it's about you and me, Kit. It's about men, about women, about plastic, about everything. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's about the patriarchy, which is surprisingly not all about horses. Huh. You'd get that joke if you saw the movie. Um, all right. So, and then next is Tarsum Sings Dear Jassy, which is a... a I, I, the only way to describe it is epic film, but it's just depressing and sad. And how is our boy Tarsum doing? It's been a while since he's made a movie. Yeah, um, well, more recently than you think. You always, I always forget that he made that weird, like Snow White movie. I know. Oh, right, 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 or right. Yes, some, I know the one some, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, a fairy. T- it was a fairy tale of some yeah. sort. I can't remember quite what. Was it was it the Huntsman? No, no, it wasn't Snow White and the Huntsman. Sorry, it wasn't Snow White. It was um, maybe it was Sleeping Beauty or something. Anyways, it was just. Yeah, this weird one-off, but he, um, yeah, no, it's it's quite good. It's it's something where, like, when I saw the film at TIFF, uh, he was there to introduce it, and he's like, yeah, I see everyone here got popcorn. I'm sorry, this isn't that kind of movie. And then <laughs> we all proceeded to feel sad for three, and everyone's like, isn't it supposed to be a love story? It's like, it's a tragic love story. Aww. And he even said, he's like, they keep saying it's based on Romeo and Juliet. It's not based on Romeo and Juliet. This is a true story that happened. Calling it Romeo and Juliet, like, diminishes it, and it was true. But, yeah, really recommend it. That's uh, 10, 8, 10, 9, 8. Okay, um, so my next on my list is Riddle of Fire, which is a, a film that I saw at TIFF this year with, I think, someone else from the audience. Did, did you see it as well? Yeah, I think someone did. Uh, uh, I heard a woo from the audience. Mm-hmm. Riddle of Fire is directed by uh, Weston Razuli, um, and it is, it's either the most, it's, it's, I can't really figure out if it's a child's movie or an adult's movie. Um, but the director did throw out mushrooms to the audience beforehand, so I'll leave it at that. Um, It's kind of like, what if going to the store to get something for your mom was like Lord of the Rings? I'll put it that way. And then next, my my last film in my, I don't want to say top, bottom five, uh, Oppenheimer. I liked it a lot. Christopher Nolan delivered. uh, Great movie. I enjoyed it. Saw it in 70mm at 10 a.m. in the morning with a bunch of other freaks. Dang. Um, Yeah. Good stuff, Chris. The first uh, successful screening of uh, yes, in Tor- yeah, yeah. After, after, the, after the disaster the day before, when they literally had to like assure everyone it's okay, the projectionist did not quit. We just played a wet print. This new print is working. So yeah, that whole social media storm uh, they had to weather. Um, but yeah, Oppenheimer. Okay, so Phil, what is number five on your remaining five of the year? Uh, number five. Uh, it will be the German film of fire. Ooh, the a Christian fi- Petzl. I have a meaning to see that. That's on the Criterion Channel. It now, is isn't on the Criterion it? Channel. They just added it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna check that one out. Yep. Um, anything else to add about it? Like, uh, what's good about it? What's good about it? Um, it's a uh, low key uh, elevated comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with a failed writer. Oh yeah. A very awkward, socially inept man. Interesting. Yes. Sounds like half the people in this room. Yes. Cool. Um, anything else to add about it? Mm, not off the top of my head right now. 
Okay. All right. So, Kit, what is number five in your uh, your top five? All right. We'll, we'll go with a film that I just saw yesterday, actually. Um, we're going with, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Justin Triet's uh, Anatomy of a Fall. Ooh. I haven't seen that. I've been meaning to. Or Anatomy Don't Shoot. No. My <laughs> French like is terrible. Hope gag, yeah. Um, uh, quite quite good, like a little uh, a legal courtroom thriller slash yeah. uh, murder mystery whodunit slash deconstruction of a just marriages and uh, a couple them in general and how they work and how they don't work. Um, cool. Uh, quite good a very good dog performance in this one if you like doggos um, mm-hmm. then this has a very good doggo in it very good boy and um, also man those uh, the outfits they make lawyers wear in France in the courtrooms are very interesting cool. lots, go- lots going on there all right and uh, yeah I don't know uh, the uh, the Calypso uh, cover instrumental version of 50 cents PIMP plays a very big plot point in the movie that's another interesting fact those wacky Scandinavians. Apparently, it was originally the song they were going to pick was going to be Jolene, Dolly Parton's Jolene. But they couldn't get it? So they... I, I don't know. I don't know the story there. This a co- co-worker told me this uh, today. Um, I, I believe it. Why not? Cool. Um, but they went with PIMP instead. All righty. Anyway, that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil anything. Cool. All right. My number five is How to Blow Up a Pipeline, directed by Daniel Goldhaber. Um, yeah, so, uh, which I we saw together, and yeah. that was really good. I know. I uh, it's it's almost like how what if Steven Soderbergh directed a uh, a blowing up pipeline movie? It was shot and told like a heist movie, and it was fun. Yep. It was pulse pounding. Uh, it didn't really mull over politics too much, which was nice. It was no, just sort of like got, uh, various different politics entering into it. Like there's there's mm-hmm. the one there's the one guy who's just against eminent domain, and he just does not like government taking land that they yeah, shouldn't yeah. be taking. Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of like the, his the, one the, cause. The, he's more like the southern guy, yeah, like. Yeah. And he gets along really well with the indigenous person who yep. basically has the same point of view, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've, you know, teamed up with these Portland crust punks that kind of like the, just seem to the be crust punks, they yeah. seem to be there to party and have a good time. And then there are other people who are directly impacted well, by. Principal one, uh, one yeah. her, her sister had passed. Well, one was actually um, she's dying of um, her. With, yeah, with her. her um, she's, uh, she's actually got cancer. I think wasn't it her partner that had cancer? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so yeah, just pulse pounding thrill minute, and I'm really and it gets it, it it is thrilling. Yeah, it's very yeah. thrilling. I highly recommend it. Even if you're like, oh, blowing up a pipeline pipeline is wrong. It doesn't really. It's not really about the right or the wrongness of it. It's like, can they pull that pull this? It off? also it has teeth. It it yeah. doesn't it doesn't really pull its punches. It's no, it like, doesn't shy away from being yeah. what it is. You know, it's there's no like two sidedism or what aboutism. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about Daniel Goldhaber, his film before this was a. Uh, a, uh, a, a horror movie called Cam, which I haven't seen, but I've heard good things about. And his next film is actually a remake of the 1980s classic Faces of Death. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know how a remake of Faces of Death is supposed to be. Well, uh, the, the whole thing about Faces of Death is that it was a hoax, right? The original one was and a some hoax. Of it, some of it was real footage. Although some they had was, some real footage. It was, some was real. And also it stars Car- Carly XEX. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I know who that is. So yeah, I'm interested to see what he's gonna do with that. That's a that's a wild one. Because they become kind of, they became kind of vogue. I remember they would advertise those on TV too. Like um, mm-hmm. we can't show this on television, and it was a whole video of just people yeah. Well, they did they, they did like up to the faces of eight volume like seven or eight or something. Um, yeah, so that was that's remember, my number five. Uh, what was it? It wasn't Thrasher. Oh, Big Brother mm-hmm. uh, magazine used to review those. Um, just dark dark times. Yeah. 
And I guess he's bringing it back. Um, all <laughs> right. Funny if Thrasher did. <laughs> so, Phil, what's your number four? My number four is the movie Passages, directed by Iris Sachs. Oh, cool. How was that? It was, loved it. Um, I've heard many good things about it. Yeah. Not everybody was enthusiastic about it, but I liked it a lot. And nah, that's kind of, you know, that's okay. That's part of the course now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, a uh, great... Um, Franz Rogowski, he just won Best Actor in the New York Film Critics Circle, which was a pretty oh, divisive cool. performance. He wears an iconic uh, green acne sweater in it. Mm. Yep. Interesting. Cool. Adele Exarchopoulos gives a really good supporting performance. What's it about? Well, uh, Franz Rogowski, he is a uh, narcissistic uh, film director. Mm-hmm. He basically like leaves, half the people in this room. Yes, yes. He leaves his uh, longtime partner, played by Ben Wishaw, mm-hmm. and decides to uh, have a uh, heterosexual relationship with Adela Sarkopoulos. Ooh, and, spicy! Yes, was it a spicy film? It is a spicy film. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Speaking of heterosexual and homosexual relationships, I forgot I should include Maestro and in my runners up. The okay. more I think about Maestro, the more yeah. I like it. More for its comedy, and I think. It's got some of like the, the scenes. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but like I really like. There's some scenes in it that make, Passages, still make me laugh. Um, is a rare NC-17 movie, Ooh. and it's pretty obvious why it got the NC-17 rating. Everybody keeps saying that the, the like whatever NC-17 movie comes out is the last one. Like everyone said, like oh, Blonde yeah. is the last NC-17, but it's no. good. But this one, this so, was an NC-17. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> our, our, one of our audience members just asked Phil, "Is there nudity? Male nudity?" It does. <laughs> yeah. Not very loud. Yeah. All right. We got a raucous crowd here tonight at Maple Leaf Gardens. Finish but, your uh, but a very realistic uh, sex scene. Woo! Single take. So quick and disappointing. <laughs> no. A homosexual sex scene. Okay. At least they know what each other's junk is doing. Yes. Cool. Anything else to say about it? Passages. Uh, no, I think that's it. All righty. Kit, what is your number four on your top five? Uh, well, first, I, I forgot to shout out uh, Sandra Hewler's performance in Anatomy of a Fall. I, I would like to see her get uh, at least an Oscar nomination for this. I think she might. She's yeah. also in Zone of Interest, which is a movie I didn't get a chance to mm-hmm. see. Um, so good good year for Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my number four, we might as well toss in Oppenheimer. Hell Yeah. Uh, we've already discussed it. It is a, a film which uh, really showcases the benefits of mm-hmm. having a functioning alcoholic wife uh, in your corner. Yeah. Um, good performances in that one. I don't know if you mentioned the performances. No, Killian Murphy, Killian Murphy, Emily is Blunt, really good. Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, uh, Ro- Robert Downey Jr. Obviously, finally returning to films after a long and mysterious absence. I don't know what he was up to. Yeah. I mean, and also you can't forget Josh Hartnett, Josh Hartnett, 90s heartthrob, Josh Hartnett, which again, I remember this being pointed out to me ahead of the film that he's in it. Yeah. But when I watched the movie, it did not clue into me. It did not clue into me at all. He's aged into a very, like, he doesn't have the boyish boyish face anymore, which you kind of are looking for. And now now he doesn't. You're just like, whoa, because he's also in the newest season of uh, Black Mirror. And I'm like, oh, I also didn't really recognize him. And well, I guess we don't. Casey Affleck is briefly in the movie and is good because he's, he's his character is a scumbag and you, and we you kind of point relate that to him. David Dashmalian is also in the movie, one of my favorite actors right now, and he's also in The Last Voyage of the Demeter. 
Um, Olivia Thirlby's in it, and you never oh, see right. her in anything anymore. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, Rami Malik's in it. I forgot about that. There's a lot of Benny Softy as a kind of a weird performance. I don't know if anybody liked Benny Softy's nah, weird. His weird, like, like his, his weird Doctor Strange love performance. Hello, yes. I am a scientist. <laughs> I'm going to smear my face in sun cream and wear glasses to see the explosion. Which is a great image from the movie. Like, yeah. that's instantly memeable. It Somebody be- did uh, go as. Um, Benny Safty. Teller, Edward Teller for Halloween with uh, sun, with sunscreen. The sunscreen on my face, yes. Um, so that's uh, that's I guess that's my number uh, four. Am I? We that's at number, number four. Number four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Oppenheimer was a was a good movie. Yeah. I didn't get to see it in seventy millimeter. I didn't get to see mm-hmm. it in IMAX. I saw it in theaters though. It's and playing the light box uh, right now in seventy millimeter. Uh, that like that scene right after the uh, the the test explosion goes. You could hear a mm-hmm. pin drop when that's happening in that theater. Yeah. It was a packed house, too. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. You don't often get that in the uh, theater experience, you know? Yeah. So uh, definitely that's uh, expect that to be nominated for all the Oscars. Yeah. Who knows how many it'll win, but... We'll see. I mean, I just I don't even know, because like, the, I think the Oscars still looks like well, Christopher Nolan is being... A, they're, they're whatever. They're, they're fun. They, they are whatever they are. Whatever. Uh, they're, they're a great... Like, I actually think that the Academy's like, historical work is almost better. Going to... Because I recently went to the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, which was fantastic. I actually think their, their work outside of the awards is, is quite good. You got something to say there, uh, our four-legged friend? <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough, enough, enough. As well, somebody didn't like Oppenheimer. Someone, wow, someone, I don't think someone liked the microphone. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, it's okay. You can. She can. <laughs> okay, my number four, Blackberry. Um, All right, Matt yes. Johnson's Blackberry, which uh, big fan of that film. Glenn Howerton was great in it. Good old uh, Michael Ironside is in it. Um, will, so I, is so is Saul Rubinick in a great role. Saul Rubinick is really quite yeah. good. Even uh, what's his face, Mark Critch. Mark Critch, who I guess because um, they've been playing the 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 mini series on CBC, and I guess yeah. it's an expanded role for him in that mm-hmm. one. Um, I gotta check out the miniseries. Version. I don't know if it's worthwhile. Because I, I love I Mark Critch. I yeah. can't see that film being expanded to a miniseries length. I don't think that that's gonna it's work. It's a tight two hours, though. Yeah, it is. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It's just such a fun film. It's such a great film, and I love the fact that they weren't shying away at all from like this is a Canadian film. Like it is CBC Pictures is the opening logo, and I'm like, yeah, like. Let's let's do it. Let's show people that we can make good films here. Well, I will say for Glenn Howerton's sake, um, like the the kind of gimmick thing he does is uh, he he shaves his head to the classic male um, pattern baldness, male yeah. pattern baldness that uh, Jim Balsillie actually has, actually yeah. has. And he, he did. He's not wearing a, a cap. He's no. he's actually shaving. He did his it head. for real. Yeah. But what sold me on his perfor- performance is exactly how he says the word goof. Yeah. It's like oh, he's such a goof. Yeah, like, and man, Waterloo, just, like yeah, not saying Waterloo, it, yeah, saying it the right way, not like Waterloo. It's like, it's Waterloo. So, um, and he yeah. even said he utters like probably the most quotable line from that movie, which is "I'm from Waterloo, where the vampires hang out." Uh, that's did Jim Balsillie really say that? No, this is that's this is a, a niche humor. This was a viral video yeah. when I met Young and Dundas Square. Ah, uh, yeah, I didn't re- I, I didn't realize that had, that's where it I came saw from. that and I love that it's in because I tracked it down afterwards and like. Glenn Howerton gives a better better reading of that line than the guy who actually said it for real. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, when that video went viral. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, but I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, no. So the Black- whole video is worth watching. Yeah, so Blackberry is is fantastic. We all liked it. It's death by video approved, and like I, we also, I'm pretty sure we all knew someone that worked on it. 
Um, we met some people who worked on it in, afterwards at the outside yeah, the theater. The, yeah, we, we were coming out of the theater, and you you were like, "Hey, I know Bumped you guys." Into a friend of mine, yeah, and he was like, "Oh, this guy was the production, or not the like was a set dresser on it." So excellent work all around. Um, okay, so uh, Phil, what's your number three? My number three is the Aki Karazmaki movie Fallen Leaves. I have been dying to see this film. I just haven't been able to make it's, it work. It's delightful. All of his movies are great. It's it's just like a nice. Uh, classic charismatic style um like nice. very like t- tight tableau shots like I, very sad but humorous deadpan i hear that it's very short as well yes all those movies are generally short uh it's a tight 80 minutes yeah and there's a nice little nod to uh Karazmaki's great friend uh jim jarmusch in it Fantastic. Uh, this this movie just seems right up my alley. I just haven't been able to see it. I might even check out to the Kingsway. They're playing at the Kingsway. It, the only still, Toronto still, Grindhouse. It's still playing at the Lightbox as well. Nice. And at the Varsity. At the Varsity. Three theaters in Toronto. And it's probably going to be at the Fox sooner or later. Yeah. Cares Mackey movies never get this much of a release. It's usually at the Lightbox at best. Yeah. But this one, I think, is crossing over. Yeah. So, um, Kit, what's your number three? No. I'm trying to make a friend here. Um, okay, we'll go with the. Uh, I'm sure this is also going to be on Graham's list. What's that? Uh, it is Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Oh, so good. So good. I just saw this yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, just a great crotchety performance from uh, Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, like just the lines that that uh, that he says. Like mm-hmm. uh, at one point, he's like, uh, "That boy is too dumb to pour piss out of a boot." A genuine <laughs> troglodyte. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so many. If you guys haven't seen this movie, it's so funny. He like he'll waltz into a classroom. He'd be like, "All right, you fetid layabouts." <laughs> he <fantastic>. whistles <laughs> the flight of the Valkyrie while handing out like failing grades. Yeah, every everybody got a got a failing grade yeah. except for uh, for young. Uh, who's the actor that plays him? Oh, the the, the first yeah, the first Dominic timer. Sessa, yeah, his first time ever. Who is more Adam's apple than man? Yeah, a great, great young. <laughs> he's, he's got quite the neck. I can't wait to see what he does next because again, this was like they literally like were auditioning kids out of high schools, and like this guy had been in like one high school play, and that was it before he got he's, the role. He's quite good. Um, yeah, it's it's a good ensemble cast, but it really mm-hmm. is just three people. Um, and I'm expecting um, an Oscar to go Divine Joy Randolph's way. Oh, she's so good in that movie. She's really quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, really just, uh, it's a bit like a little bit saccharine, but I mean, I, how are you going to avoid that in a yeah. Christmas movie? You, you can't avoid it. Um, and it's, it's got enough edges, mm-hmm. edges to it that, uh, I thought it was really good. I, I'd say an instant Christmas classic. Is that what you would say, Graham? Definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess that's about all I've got to say about that one. It's just, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want any spoilers. But um, at my LCBO, there was a, there was a significant theft of oh, a love. five thousand dollar bottle of um, Louis the Thirteenth cognac. And uh, I will say that that same cognac plays a uh, small but vital role in the film. As right, well. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that con- yeah. That's that's great. I love that that in the movie. It's a nice little end cap to the film. Yeah. I yeah. That film is so good. I highly recommend everyone go see it. I'm. I mean. We're not going to talk about it again because it is in my top three. So okay, yeah. So we'll we'll consider this my turn. So Phil, what's your? Oh, you're, uh, you're you're saying that's uh, your number three? Uh, it was actually my number two, but but I'll, you're moving it up. I'll move. You're y- moving it up. 
Well, yeah, like just because we, we talked about it. Any scenes in particular that uh, stood out to you? Anything? Um, just, well, Don't Cross the Rubicon is a great one. Don't this Cross the Rubicon. Rubicon. Do not cross it. <laughs> He's like, I'm going for it. Um, and also the other uh, other great scene, um, the party scene where you get, uh, what's the actress's name again? Because she was also in Dolomite Is My Name where she was quite good. And that's actually where Alexander Kane passed her cast her uh, Divine Joy Randolph. Divine Joy Randolph. Who plays Mary Lamb, the uh, the cook. The cook at the... Uh, fantastic. This is all set in 1971 yeah. at an at a all-boys uh, school. And she is uh, a person whose son has just died in Vietnam. Yeah. And... Uh, is now stuck. We should, like, I mean, the basic premise is Alexander Payne is this curmudgeonly, or it's not Alexander Payne, Paul Giamatti is this curmudgeonly teacher who gets stuck watching the holdovers. Those are the boys at the, at the all-boys school who don't go home for Christmas. Yeah, so there's, there's a bunch there's of different people. There's only, like, people. four of them, and then a, a fifth and then, gets added. And yeah. then four of them wind up going to... Um, Some rich kid's friggin' ski, ski yeah. resort. And, uh, and so it's just Paul Giamatti and the one kid, and... Uh, they kind of bond and they realize there's a great scene in it where they kind of realize that they're both on the same medication for depression. Yeah, I saw that as well. Such a good scene. And yeah. I, like I also I, like the the fact that like um, they're talking about uh, Paul Giamatti's yeah. uh, his monograph that he's writing. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't want to call it a book. He's like, I don't think I have enough in for me for a book. And just then, a monograph. It's just a monograph. Mm-hmm. And then uh, D- Divine uh, Joy says, you just never finish a dream, do you? That's true. I also love the scene where in the liquor store where they're talking about what he did to the the guy that plagiarized him. He's like, you know, he plagiarized me and then he blamed me for plagiarism. And because he was a rich kid, he got away with it. So then I hit him. And they're like, oh, you hit, you punched him? He's like, with a car. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> so such a good scene. And do you know the story behind the guy who plays the... Uh, the cashier in the liquor store no he actually no. worked in that liquor store that's a real liquor store it's the last liquor store in boston that looks like a liquor store from the 70s oh wow yeah because it really did and the time that they cast him all they cast him off of was this like one like close-up photograph taken in the basement of there because he had covid and didn't want to get anyone else covid so alexander payne when i was at the screening at tiff told us all about this and said okay watch for this line where he says here you go killer and when he said that in the in the movie the entire audience burst out into applause. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great, great film. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, I put out a personal PSA on my social medias about it uh, to go see it in theaters because it is a great theatrical film. But also a great Christmas movie. Gather yeah. the family around. That's true. It is a good yeah. Christmas movie. All right. So, Phil, what's your numero three, four, two? Where are we at uh, now? I guess number two now. Yeah, we're at number two. Um, number two, I know I've mentioned this before, uh, and it's a Canadian movie, uh, The Maiden. Right, which I have not seen. It is excellent. Um, Give us some background. I, I, What's I've, it about? Who's in it? Nobody known. Not even a Joshua Jackson? Not even a Joshua Jackson. Okay. These look like newcomers, the, these youths. Mm-hmm. It is set in Calgary, but it almost looks like some small town in Alberta. And uh, it deals with um, a teenager dealing with the uh, loss of his uh, best friend, Oh, okay. And there's the maiden of, right. Yes. Now it's all coming back to me, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The bond between an outcast girl who mm-hmm. may or may not be alive. It's open ended. Ooh. Yeah. Spooky and fascinating. Yes. Cool. Uh you want to add anything else about it? Not really. It's it's just like this really poignant, sad movie. It was it was divisive among the crowd that came out of mm-hmm. When I, when I was leaving the theater. I know but, one other person who saw it, and they despised it. Uh, that's yeah. that's fair, but mm-hmm. it moved me a great deal. Well, that's good. That's what, mm-hmm. what we want movies to do, to move us, yes, to touch right. us in certain ways. To, yes. To give us some perspective on life and human existence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is what that movie did very well. 
Excellent. And that's what we seek to do with this podcast. Yeah. So I just want to take this moment right now before we get into our final films. I mean, well, Kit Celeste is give his number two and so do I. But where we, well, I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. We only uploaded four episodes this year, which is sad on our part. That's It's mostly my fault. I've been too busy to edit the episodes that we've recorded. We got a bunch in the bag. Maybe they'll go up. Maybe they won't. Um, but every time I log in to see where we're at or when I have to upload our new episode, I'm always thrilled to see that hundreds of people keep listening to us despite us not having new episodes. I don't understand why, um, but it's it's awesome, and thank you for listening, and uh, I really appreciate it. So, Kit, what's your number two? Uh, well, I guess we'll go with uh, everyone's favorite musical and or comedy uh, film of the year. Just a, a laugh a minute. Uh, film May December. Todd Haynes is <laughs> May December. I still haven't seen it. I know it's on Netflix. I kind of want to see it in a the theater, but um... I'm only saying that because uh, the Golden Globes, in their uh, in their in their uh, wisdom, uh, nominated it for the best um, comedy and/or musical film of the year. Mm-hmm. It is not really a comedy. Yeah, definitely not a musical. Oh no, but it is uh, not. I mean, it's got funny elements to it, but that doesn't make. A movie a comedy i have heard some people describing it as camp but i don't basically, know basically there is one scene near the start before uh, and the funny fact is i went into this movie blind i did not realize what it was about it's based on a true story as a matter of fact mm-hmm. i didn't realize this i thought much like carol that todd haynes had made another age gap lesbian romance movie ah not it, no. it's not that at all um but there's a, a scene towards the beginning um where um julianne moore is having a party and i didn't quite get the framework i'm like wow she kisses her eldest son on the lips what's going on there no no that's her her lover no i i I got that but uh Mm -hmm. didn't realize that when i first saw that um and then there's a dramatic uh, i forget the music he uses it's from a different film um but uh, there's some dramatic music that plays throughout the uh the film and so you get a sting of this music as julianne moore opens the fridge she looks in the fridge and she says I think we're going to run out of hot dogs. The music was from uh, The Go-Between. There you go. Thank you. Ah, I see. So, which is, it's kind of a, it's a funny, like, musical, dramatic moment. And then she says, I I think we're going to run out of hot dogs. Cool. Which is, that's where it gets its camp value. That's why people think it's a funny, it's a, it's a funny movie. Well, not really, that they categorize it as a comedy, but it is very much not. It's, Mm -hmm. it's about abuse and, and how... Uh, different humans use each other for different things. Um, it's it's a wild film. It's, it's I thought it was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Natalie Portman plays. Uh, I guess she's trying to do like a method acting kind of a thing. Yes, I would say method acting. Um, uh, by learning like she, she's going to play Julianne Moore in a movie, mm-hmm. and we don't know what kind of movie it is. Um, we do find out later that it's it's not the artsy film that maybe you thought it's like it was a lifetime movie yeah a little bit more nice. like that nice. yes <laughs> kind nice. of a trashy thing so it's like what were you doing all that for yeah um and but she's trying to get to know and then she's trying to get to know the the um charles melton plays the the young boy mm-hmm. who's he's 36 years old and his two eldest his two youngest children are graduating high school Right, because it's they had. <laughs> yes, it's based on the what's her name again? Mary Lambert? No, Mary Kay Letourneau. Mary Kay Letourneau story. Yeah, Mary Lambert is the director of Pets. I know. I realized that as soon as I said it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, so, folks. So yeah, a lot of people. So a lot of uh, younger people are finding out about the existence of Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah, which I only vaguely remember. Like I, I had to jog my memory because, as I said, I went into this blind. I did not realize what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's quite a wild story. Yep. I was raised on trash TV, so I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hard copy. Inside mm-hmm. edition. Oof. 
Entertainment Tonight, People Magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, that always killed me when that stuff was on Entertainment Tonight. Like, Anna Nicole Smith was all over Entertainment Tonight. Like, she married an 82-year-old. Why? And you're just like, come oh, on. I remember Entertainment Tonight. They got exclusive coverage of the wedding of uh, Mary Kay Letourneau and uh, yeah. Billy Fula. Yeah. Gross. Right after she got out of jail. Yeah. Right. Okay, so moving on. Well, I, just uh, one last thing. Yeah. Um... This this is kind of this film has kind of brought up a lot of people who uh, who I guess the debate is that Natalie Portman is not a good actress, which is not something I'd ever realized yeah, I've heard that, about that ha- quite a has, bit. has been going around mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. I've never thought she was an exceptionally great actress. Like I don't think she's like Meryl Streep, but I've never thought of her as a bad actress. But some people are like, oh yeah, she's trash. She can't she can't emote. She can't. So she's perfectly cast in this. They thought yeah. because of that. As I, I as the, well, the what recent... do you guys think? Do you, uh, I, I never really had think much of an it. opinion of Natalie Portman as an actress. Mm-hmm. By the way, I thought she was incredible in May December. Right, it's a good performance. I expect her to get a nomination for this as well. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, surprise to me. Cool. All right, moving on to my number two because our batteries are running low again. I don't know what's going on. Um, my number two is the Sofia Coppola film Priscilla, which I oh, wow. love that movie. Thought it was great. It's another one I haven't had a chance to see. Yet. Um, it is her best film since Lost, one, uh, Lost in Translation. Oh wow! A lot of people have said, "Don't say that because that's like like dismissing her other work." I'm like, it's not dismissing it; it's true. Like, she has just, made just not a Marie Antoinette fan. I like Marie Antoinette. I think Marie Antoinette was cool. <laughs> somewhere was it? Somewhere was all right. The bling ring was all right, but like this feels like a home run. <laughs> oh Jesus. Someone's a fan of Priscilla. At my door? No, it's just the car. The oh. No, I think I put my foot oh, down. Oh, is it? He okay, was, I heard that. I heard yeah, that. He, he, was, he was not cool with Sorry, sorry. Our four-legged friend is, is a little spooky. Uh, is a little... Uh, got got the hate on for Kit. Um, Trust me, I don't know why. Yeah, so, so Priscilla um, is... Probably I smell like my cat. Yeah, that could be it. Uh, Priscilla, yeah, I, I love that film quite a bit. Phil, you saw it, right? I saw it. Yeah. I thought it was Okay. Okay. I and, I, and I say this as a uh, very uh, big uh, Sofia Coppola enjoyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it, it was great soundtrack choices. Good to hear the Ramones cover of Baby I Love You. Yeah, which, which is basically just Joey Ramone and... And Phil Spector. Yeah. Yeah, because the rest of the Ramones were like, we ain't playing on this. Um, but, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, our four-legged friend is getting real angry. She's she's apparently not a, not a fan of Priscilla, so we're going to move on to... Uh, yeah, so Phil, what's your, what's your number one for the year? My number one is... Yes? Do you have something to say? No. Okay. She's cool. <laughs> um, number, my number one is May, December. Oh, wow. The movie we just talked about. I know. Crazy. Okay, I good know. stuff. So I, I need to check it out. Yes, you do. Cool, I will. I, I know you have uh, mixed feelings on Todd Haynes. Very mixed. Yes. Still haven't forgiven him for I'm Not There. I need to rewatch that. I remember <laughs> so liking bad. it, but mm. yeah, not a not a not a fan of that film. Yeah. You and you didn't like the Velvet Underground doc, which no. I loved. Cool, um, cool. <laughs> but do you have anything else to add that we didn't already discuss about May May December? Because May December does intrigue me. Yes, mm. not really. I, I think Kit did a really good job of um, getting mm-hmm. to the meat of the movie. Okay, cool. All right, so what do, you, what do you think of Charles Melton's performance? Oh, he was terrific. Yeah, I've never seen him in anything before. He's a Riverdale. He comes from Riverdale, from what nice. I understand. Nice. I, I never actually the, watched. The, some WB show as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that Riverdale? 
That was Netflix, I think. No, Riverdale oh. was on WB, okay. and then okay. oh no, it was on CW, and it, they sold it to Netflix. That's how it got real popular. Right. Okay. Um, also, uh, who's I forget the character uh, Julianne Moore's uh, eldest son. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But there's a there's a scene where he tries tries to blackmail his way into becoming the music supervisor on a film. He's like, <laughs> I feel like I could do that. That's such a that's such a weird. I'm thing really good to... with music. I can pick great songs. Have you guys heard Back in Black by ACDC? <laughs> yeah, that's not in the movie. I haven't seen it, but I'm just like, that's anytime someone says they want to be a music supervisor, I'm like, no, that's something you fall into. You don't set out to do that. That's just you saying, like, I think I, my music taste is good, and you should use my the songs that I like in this in this movie. Yeah. yeah. He made up all the funny scenes in that movie. Did, yeah, he did. Yeah, With his shitty band as well. With his crappy band. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, a, he's, he's an interesting character because he is actually the same age as um, Julianne Moore's husband. Like they were yeah. friends in high school. <laughs> anyway, cool. it's, it's, yeah. it's a wild story. Weirdness. I mean, it kind of reminds me a bit of, of Notes of a Scandal, which came out uh, over a decade ago. A, a little bit, yeah. although that, I mean, that was more of the um, lesbian love affair kind of. Well, that was more, no, that was more about um, uh, uh, Judy Dench trying to initiate something. That's right, because Kate Blanchett had had a, an affair. Well, she, she yeah, was going to blackmail her into it. Yeah. yeah. That's right. It's mm-hmm. been a while since I thought. Great Philip Glass score on that one. Yeah. Cool. All right, so I guess it's time for my... Oh, oh wait, what's your number one, Kit? Sorry, we were talking about May... I got confused because we were talking this, about May, this, December again. Sh- this shouldn't surprise you, although I, I can already see your frowning face. What is it? Uh, we're going to go with our boy, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. That's right, folks. I, I really enjoyed it. Thought it, thought it was a good film. Uh, a late masterpiece from, uh, from a man who's, uh, who's made many, many solid films. Uh, kind of a meditation on 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 violence. Uh, Scorsese is just very good at uh, probing just kind of the evil layers that are at the heart of American society, and I thought he did a good job in this three and a half hour film um, that we that we all saw in theaters. Um, this was my runner up. I didn't mention it because I knew you were going to talk about it. Uh, good good performances from uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Most craven performance I've ever seen from him. Just. Uh, it's interesting. He was supposed to be the Jesse Plemons story. I think we all know this story by now. He was supposed to be the Jesse Plemons character, who is the FBI guy who comes to investigate the Osage murders. Uh, but then they decided they were going to change that. They didn't want to make the FBI the main character of the story. They they wanted it to more be about um, the people that were living in that town. So so they changed it. And then uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Ernest Burkhart, who's a, a historical character. Uh, Lily Lily Gladstone plays Molly Burkhart, who's the woman that he marries, and I think a really good performance from Robert De Niro. Great late career performance as possibly the most evil man in existence. He plays William Hale, who kind of runs that town, and is he's like he's like, I'm a friend to the Osage people, you know. He just tries to, to uh, a patriarch kind of to the community, but he's just engineering murder after murder after murder behind the scenes. Um, I thought it had a really good ending. Really poignant ending. I liked the, uh, spoiler alert slightly, uh, the radio play stage ending. Um, just a uh, very, I, I really liked the film. I thought about it for, for quite a while afterwards. I think uh, that's my number one for the year. I know I know Graham did not like it. We I don't want to get into a contentious debate about it. But um, yeah, that's, that was, that's my number one. I'm guessing it's not yours. What is your number one, Graham? My number one, some people have called a sequel to Oppenheimer. 
Ooh, Oppenheimer 2. I didn't I didn't realize that they Electric Boogaloo. I didn't realize they released that. No, one. no, no. Oppenheimer 2, Cruise Control. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppenheimer harder? Um, no. I know where you're going with this. It is Godzilla minus one. Uh, yeah. I have not had a chance to see this audience. Otherwise, I would probably be on my list because it, it looks exactly like the kind of film that I want to see. It is amazing from top to bottom. A lot of people said like this is actually the sequel because it's about the Japanese people in the aftermath of the atomic bombs being dropped at Hir- Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and also dealing with... Uh, the, the amazing thing is it's about a country that just lost World War II and how a lot of, most of the characters in it are veterans of World War II and they, they deal with survivor's guilt as well as literally their neighbors telling them you were supposed to die for, to protect our country, and you didn't, and now our country is in ruins, and we legally can't have an army or a navy or an air force, and then Godzilla shows up. And how do you, as a country, deal with, A, your collective grief from losing World War II and the massive deaths from the atomic bombs, and then Godzilla? And I mean, the original Godzilla was, already was like less than 10 years after World War II. Yeah, it was nine years after. It came out in 1954. Uh, it's, it's wild because it was the Americans testing atomic bombs in the region mm-hmm. because America had just decided, oh, we're, we're yeah. controlling your country now and we're doing this mm-hmm. in your, your territory and there's nothing you can say about it because yeah. you lost. And that um, is, that is the, that's what causes Godzilla to attack Japan in this one because he shows up in a more primitive form, almost as a dinosaur at the start of the film. Spoiler alert. And then he, then later on when the Americans start doing their atomic tests in the Pacific uh, Ocean is when Godzilla emerges much larger and much meaner and ready to, and this Godzilla, he hates humanity. Like he is a monster, a pure monster in this film. There is no like, this guy's- There's no son of Godzilla? No, no uh... no, Manila's not going to show up. No. (laughs) Um, With his little like atomic breath rings. No, no. He's not going to show up. This is not a cutesy poo Godzilla. This is a Godzilla that hates humanity and wants to- exterminate us as a species and it the film kind of becomes like jaws because unlike pretty much every other godzilla film where the government's dealing with it it's the individual peoples these these people suffering from grief and shame and survivor's guilt having to actually come together and figure out how are we the people that i don't want to say failed this country because like they were the country that allied with the nazis i mean that's the the truth of it they were the axis powers but it's like how do we and they even deal with that too, where it's like we're clearly on the wrong side of history with that. Like, how do we, as a society, stop this threat to us? And it kind of becomes like Jaws. It's 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 a fun movie with serious overtones, and somehow it's the best Godzilla film of all of them, which is just mind-boggling to me that you can do that seventy years into a something that was never supposed to be a franchise because the original yep. Godzilla was a metaphor for the atomic bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then they did a bunch of fun ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then he became <laughs> the savior of children. Um, but yeah, Godzilla minus one, uh, I guess, is my top ten since uh, my number one. Tell tell the audience. I'm sure they'd be interested to hear. Where did where where did you see this movie? I saw this film on opening night in North America on Hollywood Boulevard at the world famous Grauman's Chinese Theater. Although now it's known uh-huh. as the TCL Chinese Theater. In the original Chinese theater, going back, which is the interior looks the same. It has been preserved since 1926. It was a gorgeous uh, theater to see it in. How were your seats? How were the? How were it the was seats? great. Yeah. I I picked like basically center center like the center of the theater, just right, just 
Chef's Kiss. It was great. Uh, the audience was fantastic. Not a single glow of a cell phone. Um, in fact, it was when I I found I feel because I was in Los Angeles for a day and a half at that point, and I'm just like, where are the film fans? I couldn't find them. I didn't see them anywhere. And then I go to Godzilla minus one, and it's all black hoodies and t-shirts, and I'm like, ah, there I found are. my tribe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Experience, and I highly recommend everyone going out to see it in theaters. It's become a Something that no one ever expected. It became a big success. It was only supposed to be in theaters for a week. It's still playing in IMAX now. I'm, and I'm hearing a lot of a lot of people went to go see the 4D version. They're like, that just the film just kicked my ass. I feel like I've been yeah, beat up by say, my seat. Yeah, they're like, don't see it in Screen X is what I've heard. It's like, yeah, like go see it in IMAX. Don't see it in 4D or Screen X because it will beat the crap out of you. But the scene where he like shows up and attacks uh, Tokyo is like so devastating and so powerful and so like when the first wide shot of Godzilla walking amongst the buildings happens and the classic Godzilla theme kicks in, I wanted to go, woo, but uh, it was the wrong You would have been immediately yeah. escorted, escorted yeah, I out been of kicked the out theater. Of that theater. <laughs> okay, I would have been kicked out of Hollywood, yeah. I can't be Mr. Hollywood and get kicked out of Hollywood. Oh. Yeah. All right, and so that was our, our favorite films of 2023. Thank you so much for listening to us. Hopefully this will get up before the end of the year. Hopefully this is a brief episode. I actually think it is. Yeah. Um, so for Death by View and everyone here at Maple Leaf Gardens in downtown Toronto, uh, happy New Year's, happy holidays. Um, Mr. Hollywood! Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, uh, so for, for Death by Video for 2023. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm still Graham saying keep watching amazing movies. Thank you for listening to us. Good night. If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance. And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss. From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to j-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts.